Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Marcusini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. This week's episode is brought to you by AppQs. Have you ever launched a new feature that went unused, waited days or even weeks to get that user data you requested? You're not alone. We're still way too dependent on developers. That's why product marketers around the world are calling AppQs their new favorite product marketing tool. AppQs empowers product marketers to measure and improve product adoption without a developer. Brands like Amplitude, Privy, Fullstory, and Lyft use AppQs to track feature usage and engage users with in-app onboarding tours, feature announcements, and surveys. No code required. Visit appqs.com to start your free trial today. This week, I'm chatting with Trevor Pyle, Director of Product Marketing at Quantum, and this year's winner of the Above and Beyond Award from the PMA. At Quantum, Trevor successfully transitioned from a role in sales and product enablement into product marketing, acting as a driving force behind its growth from a team of 50 to now over 400 with $200 million in Series B funding in hand. With that funding, Quantum is looking to grow its platform for continuous product design. This fundamentally new approach helps organizations deliver digital products that have greater impact with speed and confidence through a customer-defined and quantified approach to building better digital products faster. During our chat, Trevor and I dive into the important and dynamic relationship between product marketing and sales. We talk through why it's vital for product marketing to be deeply connected to sales and sales enablement, even when it comes to both strategic and day-to-day activities. All right, with that out of the way, let's do it. Hey, Trevor, how's it going? Hey, Mark, it's it's going really well. It's a beautiful day out here in Denver, Colorado. That's awesome. Happy to hear that. It's a little bit uh, rainy and gloomy out where I am, so I'm glad that at least one of us is having some good weather. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, yeah, I really appreciate you joining us today and we'll get right into it. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Awesome. So can you give our listeners a bit of a background on your career so far and what you do as Director of Product Marketing at Quantum? Yeah, sure. It's uh, I'm, I'm sure you hear this frequently from product marketing uh, folks, but it's a little bit of a circuitous path. Um, so actually started out, I guess you'd say I started my career in graduate school. So had a little bit of a scientific background, studied biological anthropology at Baylor University, and then went into grad school to pursue a doctorate in kinesiology. And kind of, you know, I guess one of those typical movie-like moments, I was dissecting a cadaver and kind of looked up and I was like, ah, you know what? I don't know if this is really what I want to do. Um, So at that point, I actually went into an account executive role. Uh, I had a little bit of previous selling experience working a few odd jobs in college. So I went into account executive role at a small startup based in D.C., Carrying a quota, um, and then from there went into another account executive role, and you know loved the process of sale um, selling, but I felt like I wanted to get uh, to a little bit more like selling at scale, um, and started looking at some of those processes, and of course you know infatuated by messaging and things of that nature. So I moved slightly into a marketing role, and then eventually that's where I landed at Quantum. Um, so when I started at Quantum, I started as our first uh, revenue enablement lead, and you know when I started. Quantum's a startup. We've grown pretty significantly. I was employee 50 or 60 something. And now I think we're at, you know, over 400 plus in the last couple of years. So started in 2019. Enablement back then was like, I got my computer on time. I spent a few hours with the CRO. And then later that week, we had a new class of account executives and SDRs coming in that we needed to onboard. So learned pretty quickly. Um, and then from that enablement role, built out that team pretty well. And we hired, you know, an incredible leader that we, we have now, Chris Ray, who runs the enablement department, and then naturally transitioned into a product marketing role. So 
product marketing at Quantum, it's kind of split into two areas. We have the strategic messaging side, which is our industry marketing, a lot of that thought leadership content. And then we have platform product marketing, which is the team that I lead. So this is, a, you'd call, you know, your traditional product marketing. So go to market, pricing and packaging, competitive strategy, customer activation, you know, and, and platform focused messaging and positioning. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Trevor. Mm -hmm. You know, I, obviously we'll get into how your experiences in sales have benefited you greatly in your role as product marketing. But I'm, I'm curious, just because I think this is one of the most unique kind of career pivots I've ever heard, <laughs> at least that kind of moment of self-actualization you had. Yeah. Has, has your time in, in science benefited you at all? Do you feel like, have, have you have you leaned on any of the skills that you developed in that stage of your career in your, in your academic um, experience to, to make you a stronger or, or more interesting uh, product marketer? Yeah, I think so. You know, I've always had like an, an interest in like kind of just mechanisms and the way things are put together, which is why I was so interested in physiology, anthropology. Like I wanted to understand why people grouped together and did the things that they did. And, you know, all of a sudden, why are we creating crops? Um, so that was just always very interesting to me. And I think there's a little bit of that observational behavior that you take to product marketing when you start to look at, you know, your market segments. So that's kind of on that like behavioral psychology aspect that I loved on the more scientific, like rigorous side, you know, there's a, there's a defined process for everything within science. And I think it's best to kind of define some of those processes and ways that we work within product marketing. Um, so that first of all, you know, we can run those programs effectively, but then you can look at them, define them, establish OKRs for them, and then iterate on them slowly. Couldn't do that as much or as quickly and science. So I still take that approach and, you know, also, uh, technology and quantum metrics specifically, we do a lot, we serve a lot of personas. And so for me, I love just understanding at a detailed level, what we're building from a new feature functionality perspective, and then boiling that down for the respective audience, which is somewhere, something similar you had to do in kind of thesis reports for some of the work I did in grad school and in undergrad. So yeah, absolutely. I definitely see a channel there and I still, you know, use things that I learned in my uh, science programs every day. Yeah. I, I find that really fascinating. It's always interesting to hear, as I'm sure, you know, you know, how people find themselves in product marketing. And I think yeah. your academic background is definitely one of the more unique ones I've heard. So I appreciate you sharing that additional of context course. and, and uh, helping draw the connection between how uh, a background in science can make you a better product marketer for anyone who is, finds themselves in science today and looking for opportunities elsewhere, potentially. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. So I mentioned in the intro, but again, I want to take a second just to congratulate you on being awarded this year's Above and Beyond Award by the Product Marketing Alliance. Um, Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, in either in the context of your day-to-day -day job or just in your general approach to product marketing, how do you define going above and beyond? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I'm I'm just very fortunate. Like we, you know, Quantum is a, is a is a great place to work. We've got a great product and you know, a, a really um, strong market cap ahead of us. And that's, that's, you know, a couple of things you have to, to look forward to. And, you know, we've got a really great leadership team that enables to do what, you know, us to do what we want to do. So we've got Christine Tran leading the entirety of the product marketing team as our head of product marketing. And she's just really empowered our team. Um, so that's kind of, you know, with that kind of out of the way, like going above and beyond to me it comes down to, I guess, a couple buckets. Um, and there's all different buckets you could look at, but for me, it's availability and attention to detail. And I can kind of explain what that means. So availability, the worst thing you can do as a product marketer or, or marketer in general is, is live in a high castle, right? And say, okay, sales, okay, go to market. Here's this messaging, you know, 
don't deviate from this at all. We didn't take any of your input when we were crafting this and now, you know, go out and sell. So I really don't want to do that. I want to make us look like we're much more at a level playing field and we're making ourselves available to sales as a resource. So this means we're helping them out. We have office hours. We're bringing them into content creation. We're bringing them into messaging creation and how we go in about positioning within the market so that we're, we're taking these things out to sales. We've got sales buy-in and oftentimes we have sales or SEs actually delivering some of that training. And this creates a level of availability for product marketing because now you're seen as like a resource within the company and you're kind of doing a little bit of internal branding. Now, this does mean sometimes if you're doing your job well, you can wake up to dozens of slacks and, you know, reps are calling and texting, but that's okay. You can create processes to re respond quickly. And most importantly, you're getting that input. So that's kind of driving what you, you know, what you could be doing next. Of course, there's a customer input aspect as well. So there's that availability of just staying super close with the team, um, the field team and being, being able to rely on them and having them be able to rely on you. Secondarily, um, attention to detail. And I know this sounds very obvious, but there's a couple of marketing leaders here at Quantum. Um, I know I mentioned Christine Tran, but Caitlin Tucker, who leads our experience team, and they just have such an incredible level of detail to everything that they're doing, whether it's an internal presentation, a huge user conference, You've, you know, you've dotted every I and crossed every T and you've thought about everything and made everything defensible. So when you do that, I think that it just makes you look um, in front of the, whether it's the go-to-market organization or any customer-facing content, really polished. And um, you know, I think that's really important for, I guess, going above and beyond because you're attaching your brand to any of that work that you're doing. And at the end of the day, you need to be seen as a resource for you to be able to have those good relationships. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I really like how you kind of, identified those buckets. And I think they're themes that I've heard other product marketers say as well, but I think yeah. one of the other things that I think probably helps you even further going above and beyond, and you kind of, you referenced it in your, your answer, but I just want to really highlight it is mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with a strong team. I mean, obviously yeah. as product marketers, you know, we have a somewhat level of control of the people that we surround ourselves with, but ultimately it's up to the people leaders at those organizations that we find ourselves in and the, and the people making those hiring decisions. But if you're someone who's evaluating what your next move in product marketing might look like, it's important to just, you know, not just look at the company, but also the people at that organization that you're going to be very closely with. Cause it sounds like you're very, very fortunate, um, even starting at quantum from a very early stage of being surrounded by other very strong leaders who they themselves sounds like go above and beyond. And, you yes. know, because product marketing is at the center of so many things and you rely on so many people to get things done. If you can take a proactive approach to, finding yourselves in situations where you're surrounded by other strong um, leaders and people who are also willing to go above and beyond, it's going to make your um, efforts that much, that much easier. Yeah. And, and Mark, I'm sure you'd agree. Like one more follow-up point with that. I think it's, I think it goes to availability, but it's also executive buy-in as well. Like if we've done a good job at selling the value of what product marketing is and what it should be with the executive team, and we've got buy-in there, that makes all of this so much easier. Too. Like it's not just a content machine. It's a real strategic leader in the organization and you need that executive alignment to do that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And even just speaking personally for a moment here, when I evaluated my next move in my career, that was one of the big things that I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure was high on my priority list is finding myself in an organization where people throughout the marketing structure or even across the org more generally had exposure or experience with product marketing, either at the current org or in previous roles so that there was that level of buy-in from day one 
where I didn't have to spend every single day justifying my existence as it were. Right. So yeah, if you can find yourselves in a situ- similar situation, or again, if you're evaluating options, that's something that I think uh, I would recommend potential product marketers to, uh, to consider when they're exploring their options. Totally. Cool. So we'll get into the meat of our conversation today. And that's this relationship between product marketing and sales. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we both mentioned, you know, you came into product marketing with a sales background. How do you feel the time spent in sales has made you a better product marketer? And what would you say was the biggest adjustment you had to make after the switch? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I guess, I guess tactically, like the biggest ju- adjustment, I don't spend as much time on LinkedIn, you know, stalking folks. And then I don't read as many 10 Ks, but those might be the the biggest changes. As I've kind of hinted at, like a lot of what I'm doing is internal selling to get, you know, activation on the programs that myself or my team is working on. Um, you know, a lot of it still feels like it's just selling at scale. I still sweat at the end of quarters. I still have to prep for big calls with customers. And I feel like I'm absolutely selling every day, whether it's talking with a customer or speaking with analysts or, you know, speaking with newer team members um, who are coming from the space. So um, that's kind of the biggest adjustment. And actually, you know, um, coming from sales, my fiance makes fun of me because when I left that actual quota carrying role, I just started buying and selling more things on Craigslist. So I think I've always had that, that love of sales and kind of to the bone. But mainly what sales taught me um, and what I'm taking, you know, to my product marketing role every day is how much you learn from talking with your customers. And I know, you know, I've kind of mentioned that, yes, we have our end customers. We also have our internal customers, whether that's sales, solutions engineers, or the executive team, but forming alliances with customers and creating like actual, you know, friendships or kinships that you can go to them with questions, whether it's something as simple as, hey, John, you know, I know you work in financial services. We're adjusting a little bit of our web copy here. What do you think about this? Um, And that customer connection really comes from, again, the availability aspect. So making yourself self-available to get on customer QBRs, speak to the product roadmap or speak to a new product launch, making yourself self-available to sales for pre-sales calls, whether that's, you know, some of that similar content or maybe a market outlook or something like that. And then it also comes to like getting in the field, going to customer events now that events are, you know, kind of a thing for us again, and just forming some of those connections. So I try to talk to a customer, you know, at least once a week and form up a little bit of a bank there. And I've always taken that from sales. Um, and then secondarily, you can leverage Gong, which is the most you know amazing product marketing tool, I'm sure, as many people here have said. So create that customer connection. I try to listen to a Gong call at least every day, whether it's on the mobile app, on the walk home, or you know just over lunch or something like that. So I try to stay extremely close to the customers, their perspective, and create those relationships that I can use to actually inform some of our messaging. Yeah, I love that. There's there's so much great nuggets to pull away. So I'll just highlight a, a couple. Sure. I think the first one, just as you were speaking, that that came to mind for me was there's so much to be learned just from like soft skills and being in sales and listening. And I don't want to say making sacrifices or making concessions, um, Mm -hmm. but just understanding that there are two sides to the relationship. There's obviously the buyer and the seller. And as the seller, you know, sometimes there needs to be that understanding of what you know, the buyer's pain points are in the perspective that they're coming from, which is we as product marketers would call empathy. And I think sales as a function, probably unbeknownst to them, a lot of the times really develop that skill naturally just in the day-to-day, you know, mechanisms of their job. The other thing that I would say 
is for any listeners who are looking to hire the next product marketer and, and might be thinking, well, let's, you know, do the external job posting. Let's see what the market has to offer. I think there's a real opportunity to look internally at the mm-hmm. sales team. And I know that's an area that at various companies that I've worked at has kind of been overlooked at times because there are so many to the points you just made natural skills and tools that you develop in a sales role that lend themselves so wonderfully to product marketing that I feel an organization might even be doing itself a disservice by not having conversations with, with leaders within sales or strong sales performers to say like, Hey, you obviously really got some skills here that we think would be valuable. Would you consider a transition into product marketing? And I think we'd probably be surprised at how many salespeople might jump on that opportunity. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it's a great area of exploration for, for the next maybe generation of strong product marketers to come through. Yeah, absolutely. And and I promise we'll stop playing ping pong on, on the, the same question here, but you said a couple of things that, you know, that, that I was interested in. Yes. Listening is, incredibly important. You know, sometimes salespeople are going to come to you and say, I need this thing because that's their solution for the problem that they're trying to solve. So it takes a little bit of good discovery to say, Hey, what are you actually trying to do? And what are you actually trying to accomplish? And be very careful about using words like, but, or well, and things like that. And I know that seems small, but you always need to see open, always seem available so that salespeople will go to you as a resource, even if you have to put it in a queue for it to get done in a month or later, you know? Yeah, I, I can, I can agree more. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the, the buying and selling on Craigslist thing. Cause uh, you know, <laughs> I even myself, even though I wasn't formally in a sales role in title, I definitely did a lot of sailing in, in an early stage of my career, just shortly after university. And I think at the time I didn't even realize I was in a sales function until I left the role and, and saw that like, well, there really was a real sales piece to this. But I think that sales bug, once you get it, it's kind of hard to get rid of. Um, and I find myself, not that I've stepped foot in a car dealership um, anytime uh, recently, mm. but I, I feel myself encountering those like sales um, situations being like, oh, I, I feel like I can really do a better job than this person is doing right now. Maybe that's just my <laughs> own self-inflated ego speaking, but I feel like once you get the taste of the uh, the sales bug, it's hard to, to get yeah. rid of. You're absolutely right about looking internally. On our team, we've got former product managers, former sellers, former industry folks who were just our customers previously and have turned into an industry role. So I think, I think, you know, product marketing is a hard role to look for, but the good news is you can always look for different perspectives from people. So couldn't agree with you more there. So when someone's looking to build a deeper relationship with sales, where would you recommend a product marketer start first? Yeah, there's, you know, there's a couple like tactical ways that you can look at this and, you know, please excuse me if I get too tactical, but sometimes I feel like whether it's a podcast or a book, you see these, you see these really, really great strategies and you're like, oh yeah, I want to do that. But what are the actual steps you can take to get there? So I want to share, share a couple of those things that we've done. Um, and it's really two prongs. You've got the boots on the ground approach and then the enablement partnership for our, you know, in our purposes, uh, it's the revenue enablement team. So the boots on the ground, it really starts with onboarding. Um, if your product marketing team is not leading onboarding sessions, helping to craft that onboarding content, I think you can change that. Um, you know, maybe this is just because I'm a former enablement guy, but uh, like I mentioned, Chris Ray, the enablement lead, and myself work hand in hand to craft some of that onboarding content. We also bring in some F- SEs to craft that content, and then we make sure that we're hosting some of those sessions so that we're seen as the expert and the go-to in these particular things, whether it's you know comp- competition, competitive landscape, pricing and packaging, or even a customer story session that we're working on. So. There's that aspect of getting involved with onboarding. And then now when you flip it to actual PMMs onboarding, PMMs at Quantum probably have one of the, depending on how you look at it, worst onboarding experiences, because 
They go through marketing onboarding, AE onboarding, SE onboarding, and get into the thick of everything because that's the day in the life approach. So, you know, you learn about the qualification process through Medic, which is, you know, our process. You learn how to build a quote. You learn how to stand up a demo environment and, you know, um, create events within these things. So you have that like spectrum from all the way from building a quote to technical demoing, um, which is really, I think, what you need to create the context and the empathy that you need to do to do your job well. And then secondarily, this is really hard, and especially when you're hiring as fast as quantum is, but try to meet every AE and SE that walks in the door, whether it's a quick 10-minute virtual coffee, whether it's catching up on something after the fact with onboarding, or just you know making yourself personable in any of these sessions that you're doing or anytime you're talking with a customer. Like I happen to love smoking meats, um, as it seems like a lot of folks do in the pandemic. So whenever I talk brisket, sometimes I get a couple of SEs who will come and talk to me after the fact, and then we eventually build that relationship. So those are some of those like tactical boots on the ground approaches you can do. And then secondarily, when you're really trying to scale that, you have to have a good partnership with the revenue enablement team. I'm thankful we have that here at Quantum. But again, that means getting involved with onboarding when it comes to leading any training sessions that are not you know, onboarding specific, but maybe more point in time, we need to be involved with that. And then working with enablement to create some of these more like ad hoc um, sessions where you know every couple of weeks, we have enablement specific sessions where we have different five minute chunks going through specific content, market updates, things like that. So I think you really just need to be present and available and try to build those relationships internally because then they'll come to you and you can go to them and it just makes it really valuable. I really love that boots on the ground approach. I think that's such a smart tactical recommendation for anyone looking to, again, build that relationship and something that I would have never even thought of, but I think it makes total sense once you kind of phrase it the way that you did. And that's, you know, as product marketers, we engage with so many different teams on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. We're supporting so many teams. We kind of have our eyes everywhere. So if someone's being onboarded for the first time into a product marketing function, why wouldn't you also want to give them the same onboarding right. that those teams are going to be experiencing? Because it allows them to develop, again, that, that level of empathy for with your internal customer that you otherwise wouldn't have seen or might take a lot longer to develop had you not done that onboarding. So I love that idea. And I think that's something that for any you know product marketing leaders are, are listening, and I hope they are, to maybe take that to heart and maybe build that into their own PMM onboarding um, experience. Uh, I think there's so much value to be gained from that. I really love that suggestion. Yeah. So I think, again, that great perspective on how to build a healthy relationship, but then there's also this element of maintaining a healthy relationship. And, you know, at times I'm sure the relationship between sales and marketing can get rocky. It's not mm -hmm. perfect, much like any relationship. So with that being said, what would you recommend a product marketer do to maintain a healthy relationship with sales on that ongoing basis? Is as simple as regular check-ins, doing those ride-alongs and sending to the gong calls, or are there other opportunities that you've seen or, or come across to, to keep that relationship going strong? Some marketers, and especially if you don't go through that, that brutal onboarding experience, you know, can think that sales is easy. It's, you know, you set a few appointments, you bring in an SE, and then you kind of just wait for the commission check. And that's maybe what bad sales reps do but the best ones are processing, retaining, and acting on just an incredibly massive amount of information. And especially if you're a fast-growing um, company, because this means there's every day new competitive threats, new content, product launches, you know, the list, the list goes on. So it's really important that you're doing two things. You're maintaining your channels internally really well, and then you're brand building with sales. And I know I've hinted on these things a little bit, but getting tactically from a channel perspective, you know, Initially, when we were starting out, it felt like 
there was multiple marketers talking about their programs and their individual channels. So what we did is we worked with the revenue enablement team and stood up a weekly field enablement newsletter. So everything in one place, it's referenceable. It all links back to Highspot. And we have sections that you know reps can easily scan. Um, so you have new events and experiences, freshly baked content, gong of the week, product updates, partnership updates. And we try to compile it all into one place and keep a really, really tight focus on making sure we're minimizing the text, minimizing like the extra context in there, maybe putting that somewhere else, because we really want to focus on making everything sales consumable. And that's not a knock against sales at all. Um, I think, you know, the fact of the, the matter is a lot of PMMs are really smart. And, you know, this means that they can really understand complex topics. But when somebody truly understands something, they can take that complex topic and explain it in plain English and then explain it to their nephew. And it's really important that you can do that for all of your different audiences, because when an SE asks you a certain question about a feature, you've got to get deep into the details. But then if an SDR asks you, it's a totally different approach to how you take that and value sell it. So I think that by standing up that channel of the weekly newsletter, really focusing on making everything sales consumable, that means that, means that everything that we're putting in that newsletter has a you know, very clear and concise uh, action item. And then secondarily, you know, when it comes to maintaining that relationship, we do everything possible to be as unified as possible. And what this means is when we're doing training, when we're doing a product launch, we're taking two voices. We're always leading the problem statement that, you know, if you're, not, if you're doing product launch training and you don't have a problem statement, make sure that you get a problem statement. But we're pulling that prob problem statement either directly from sales quotes or directly from customer quotes. More often than not, it's customer quotes, whether it's a gong snippet or something that we heard in an interview. And then we have sales speak to that. So we bring in sales and SDE leaders to kick off and maybe even run probably 50% of the training content. And we're really just helping to kind of shape and craft the narrative that we want them to tell. And by bringing them in early, we're getting their buy-in and we're building their brand. And then we're having other salespeople, you know, perk up because it's, Hey, it's not just Trevor, you know, the product marketer, it's Trevor and Dan, who I know is a really, really good rep here. Who's, you know, at 200% quota. So I'm definitely going to want to listen up. So it's kind of creating that really unified approach. And then we also have mechanisms to constantly gather feedback. So whether this is in high spot, we have office hours, Again, we're very available, so we're always listening to what is and isn't working. And then we're looking at how well our content's being utilized internally, and then if that's leading to revenue externally. Um, so we're constantly gathering feedback in that way as well. And then we have dedicated channels for dedicated topics, whether it's new uh, Slack channels in that case, whether it's new content, new events, new experiences. And we're repeating and cross-posting from that weekly newsletter into these channels as well. Because sometimes, you know, people are bigger Slack users, sometimes they're bigger email users. So we want to make sure that we're building in that repeatability. And I think that's what really helps us maintain the relationship. And those are just a couple of tactics. Yeah, so many great things there. And I know that this is obviously an audio format. So none of our listeners can see me frantically taking notes as everyone was chatting because there's just so many good things to, to pull away from that answer. I'll, I'll quickly touch on too. This idea of things being sales consumable, I've personally never heard that before. So if, if that's you coming up with that, a plus I, if any of the sales enablement tools are listening to this or, or people who work on those products, like steal that. That's a, that's a great uh, like thing to build a narrative around, or even just a tagline. I, I think that's such a great concept. And I think, again, it speaks to that point of, like you said, sales is constantly 
having to deal with so much information and make decisions on the fly. And again, display that empathy that we talked about earlier, that they don't have the time and nor should they to, to get into the weeds in the same way that product marketing needs to. Uh, mm-hmm. So it has to be sales consumable for that reason. And yeah, I couldn't agree with you more sales. Definitely not easy again, as someone who briefly spent a right. somewhat short stint um, in a sales related space. Um, product marketers need to give sales um, representatives and anyone sells, I think the credit that they, they truly deserve because it is a challenging role. You got some really, really high highs, but I'm sure some absolutely devastating lows at times. So hats off to all of our, our friends and colleagues in sales who, who fight the good fight every single day. And then the other, the other piece, and again, something that I had never even considered, but having a sales rep take an active role in a go-to-market kickoff, as opposed to a passive one, which is I think what most product right. marketers do is, Hey, product marketing is owning this go-to-market. We're kicking it off here. Are the audiences I need to speak to. And now you're going to listen to me talk for the next half an hour to an hour about what this whole go-to-market motion is going to look like and why we're doing it. But I think the way that you framed having sales as a partner in that kickoff, almost as that, again, like that subject matter expert and the subject being the customer and the pain point and the problem that we're trying to solve, I think is such a smart way to frame it, to get that sales buy-in from day one. Because otherwise, again, it just feels like you're feeding this department, this information and hoping that they retain some of it and that they care about it in the same way that product marketing does. And again, as we just said, because there's so much going on, rarely will they take it to the to heart the same way that product marketing will, if they're not actively involved in the way that you suggested. So I, I love that. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're only as good as our programs are when they're consumed and utilized. Like it's great if we build this incredible training or incredible content, but if it's not used, you haven't done your job. So I think that's why we really just had to rethink that process of bringing in sales really early. And this isn't just account executive, it's SEs, sales leadership, it's everyone um, or executives in that regard. But for us, we're also really fortunate because we have just incredible, incredible salespeople who have been in the space, who have been in the industry and bring in so much expertise. So we're always relying on them um, for, for that type of content. But, but yeah, it's been really helpful for us. For sure. And I, I, I'm sure that probably is presenting itself in the tremendous growth that, that Quantum has seen over the past you know, several months and years. Um, yeah. I'm sure it just speaks to the efficacy of that relationship. So, you know, obviously you know, starting a relationship on the right foot and maintaining that healthy relationship is, is important. But as I kind of alluded to earlier, there are some rocky moments. And I think sometimes that can stem from the fact that, you know, ultimately sales and product marketing are trying to achieve the same thing, which is ultimately drive revenue, right? At, at least one of the primary things that they're trying to accomplish. But at times the way in which both department can approach uh, accomplishing that can, you know, vary and at worst be at conflict with one, with one another. So I'm curious, how would you suggest a product marketer navigate those conflicting opinions, approaches that can sometimes lead to some unwanted friction between the two teams? Yeah. Um, it, again, it starts with listening and discovery. So if there is any friction, um, I think at, at Quantum, we have a very, it's not, it's not a flat organization, but there's just a significant lack of ego where anybody can call out anybody for anything. And that's really helpful to make sure that we're not just kind of like putting this image of what we want to be in front of ourselves or talking about metrics because we think that they should be important. Um, so that really helps when it gets to that conversation of what are we really trying to accomplish here? Um, and I think that kind of stems from our CMO. So Farah Ravid is our CMO and she cares about what sales cares about. Doesn't really care too much about vanity metrics. So for us, it's pipeline and revenue are the things that she cares about. Well, and if you know Frat exercising, she swims like five miles a day, but 
it's it's really important that we have that from the leadership level where fraught our cmo um, and our cro and our rvps are consistently talking with one another and we're all talking about the same thing this means that marketing is in the pipeline meetings we're in the sales meetings and then sales is in the marketing meetings as well when we're talking about the campaigns that we want to do and why we want to do these now of course this can get hard because even if you don't care about vanity metrics we're all talking about revenue and pipeline there's still the attribution question and we're working through that and lines can get blurred but we're it's just not a focal point for us because <clears throat> again from a leadership level just don't have significant egos and we it makes it really easy to focus on the right things together um more tactically i think if you're thinking about your individual team and you know if you've got a product marketer who's working on like a specific piece of collateral and it's part of their um, okrs for us we do use okrs so objectives and key results and we always make sure that there's a line to the top level company objectives so if you're working on that piece of content there should be a map back to the platform team goals the overall product marketing goals overall marketing all the way to a company level objectives such as doubling arr so if you can create that link even if it's not super super tight and maybe that links to a couple of different company objectives because those are usually pretty broad i still think that helps to communicate what you're focusing on and why if there is ever that conflict and that can help you just you know communicate what you're doing with sales so I think that's always going to be a challenge. Attribution is always going to be a challenge, especially as things are getting more and more omni-channel and marketers are having to get very creative. Um, but for us, it comes down to communication, focusing on the right things together, not focusing on vanity metrics, and then having a clear um, chain between team-level OKRs and company-level OKRs. And I really like that whole concept of putting your ego aside and focusing less on who's the one you know, pushing the needle and, and the fact that the needle is being pushed at all is what really the focus should be on. And I think oftentimes as product marketers, because again, we do so much and maybe sometimes we're the lone product marketer or one of several product marketers on the team, but it, sometimes it can be challenging to, to draw that direct line between the work that a product marketer is doing and how that's driving revenue forward, for example, unless, especially if they're not a product that has a direct attribution to that revenue number. Mm -hmm. So I really like that idea of what are the specific, again, either company objectives or OKRs and how can you draw that line back to your own functional or, or you know, role-based OKRs. And I think having that cross-functional lens and what those OKRs are, you can go to teams like sales and say, hey, we know that these are the big company objectives or even just like the marketing and sales objectives and where those relationships and dependencies lie. And this is how the work that I'm doing is going to help you in sales accomplish the goals that I know you are also trying to accomplish. And it becomes, again, less subjective because you have these clearly defined objectives and goals and key responsibilities that each person is responsible for and how they depend on one another. So I, I really like that. And I think that's a good, for anyone again in product marketing who's looking to build their OKRs is to tie them back to those company and departmental level objectives so that you know that the work that you're doing is, is actually having an impact and you can draw those connections. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Trevor. You know, I really enjoyed our, our time talking about the relationship between sales and, and product marketing. I'm sure you and I could keep talking about this yeah, uh, forever because it's such a meaty topic. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, one that I know you're quite knowledgeable in. But um, I will, you know, wrap things up here, and I'll ask you our final question, which is one I asked to all of my guests, at least more recently. Uh, and that's, if you could be a product marketer at any company in the world for any product or service they offer, what company and solution would you choose, and why? Oh wow, it's a great, it's a great question, Mark. Um, you know, I think. I think I would choose a company because I, I feel like it's very similar to quantum and I, and I 
love working at quantum you know um but it's it's taco bell absolutely like undoubtedly and and i'll tell you why because when you think about it completely differentiated market position like taco bell doesn't compete with anybody it's not tacos it's not mexican food it's not you can't even really put it into that fast food box i mean you can but talk about a strong market position secondarily their product team is always releasing and is incredibly innovative they're always wrapping things in doritos or putting tacos in quesadillas so love working for a product team like that very similar to quantum and then they have a loyal customer base i mean you can get married at a taco bell in las vegas and there's a wait list to do it i don't know what other fast food restaurant has that loyal of a customer base there are some but they're also doing well and then lastly it's unlimited market cap because mark everybody likes tacos so Seriously, though, it is a it is a company and a brand that I um, that I've always admired their their position to be able to do what they're they're doing with their products. So, yeah, great answer. I also love that you just didn't <laughs> do a, a, a tech company, which I think is often a default for product marketers. Like, okay, which yeah. tech companies out there can I be a product marketer at? But I think there are so many opportunities, and I think as the role of product marketing grows, hopefully through podcasts like this one and the work that the PMA is doing, that product marketers can find themselves at companies where. There's probably not an immediate like recognition that, hey, we would benefit from product marketing, but I feel like it's only going to grow as a function and we might find more and more product marketers at companies like Taco Bell for the reasons you just provided. Because yeah, I would agree based on what you just said, uh, like who wouldn't want to work at a company like that? Um, exactly. Look, they're, they're innovating. They're ahead of the market. And I do think you're going to see product marketing crop up at a lot more of these like more standard enterprise companies because, you know things are being commoditized. Everybody has to differentiate and Taco Bell is doing a great job at doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Taco Bell, unfortunately, at least where I am in, in this part of Canada, doesn't probably have as large of a pr- footprint as it does in certain parts of the States, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go out and get some Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, they're, do, they're doing great in Colorado. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Awesome. Well, like I said, this has been great, Trevor. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I'll let you go in just a minute here. Uh, but before I do, is if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, ask you some questions about maybe making the transition from sales into product marketing, or just again, maintaining that healthy relationship between those two teams, how can they get in touch? Yeah, I'm always, always open to chat, always love learning from other folks and what they're doing. Um, so, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, just searching my name, Trevor Pyle. Um, I, I think that that's probably the best way. I'm also heavily ingrained in the PMA community, whether that's the, the Slack channel or, you know, just the community itself. So, feel free to find me there. And then I've got my contact information on my LinkedIn as well. But, you know, again, thank you, Mark, for this. And thank you to all the work that the PMA is doing to elevate our role. It's, it's, it's awesome to watch. Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And thanks so much for your time. I'm sure we'll be in touch again. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.